Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. The church in Laodicea is uh, quite well known. We are, of course, looking at the seven letters written to the seven churches as we read in Revelation. Well known for uh, being lukewarm, Colin. Yes, I, it's interesting that you should say that, that um, uh, people know about this church in Laodicea perhaps more than any of the other letters. It's the one you certainly, it's the one you hear quoted most often. Um, and um, I've heard many, many people say, you know, the situation that the church is in today is very much like the Laodicean situation. Now, if that is true, and on the face of it, it would seem to be true, then that is a terrible, terrible indictment on the church today. And I'll tell you why. We have seen that in all the letters, God commends the church, congratulates the church, and then corrects the church. That is true in the previous six letters, but it's not true in this letter. He has nothing to congratulate them about. So if it's true that this letter is a real reflection of the state of the church today, then that would mean that God is not very happy with his church today. Let's, let's see. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of your, my mouth. Where are the words of congratulations? Where are the words of encouragement? Where are the words, I'm pleased about this? They simply are not there. Why? Because this is a lukewarm church. And God's attitude to this lukewarmness is, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, which is tantamount to saying, I'm about to disown you. Now, that's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Uh, and then he, he says, why? You say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Uh, in what way is this um, relevant to the church today? Well, men can run churches. But God doesn't say, I will build your churches. He says, I will build my church. And there are a lot of churches where people think that they are good churches because they're good according to the standard set by their denomination or by their board of elders or whatever. God isn't interested in man's assessment of the church, but only in his own assessment. You see, he's saying, you, you say I'm rich. You say, well, we're all right. We're a nice church. We're a good church. We obey all the denominational rules and regulations. Surely God is happy with us. We're doing all that is expected of us. But God says, no, you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Why does he say this? Because 
the life and power of the Holy Spirit does not fill everything that they do. They are churches that, if you like, are living in the natural uh, rather than in the empowering of God's Spirit. Uh, but Jesus said, the flesh, the natural, counts for nothing. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So the church can only really thrive in the way that God intends if the church is dependent upon him. And the only way in which we can be dependent upon him is by being dependent upon the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in the way that God wants us to go, to enable us and to equip us, to anoint us and to empower us to be the people of God, but also to be able to reach out to the world with the gospel with signs and wonders. You see, the scripture says that we haven't fully preached the gospel if we don't follow the preaching with signs and wonders. And of course, where the Spirit of God is filling the preaching, then there's no problem to see the signs and wonders following the preaching. So, you see, we can't go hot and cold over this. If we're, if we're really hot, we're on fire with the Spirit of God. And that's the kind of church that God wants. So he says... I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. In other words, you need to be cleansed of all your half-heartedness, of all your self-contentedness, of all your dependence upon yourselves and upon your reasoning and, and natural abilities instead of your dependence upon me. Um, you need white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. You think you're all right as you are, but I can see your hearts. I can see the sin, the disobedience, the compromise in your lives, and it's absolutely worthless in my sight. And then he says, I counsel you to buy salve for your eyes. The salve is the anointing. You need anointing to see what the plan and purpose of God is. That's why he's saying salve for your eyes. You need to see things as I see them. You need to evaluate them as I evaluate them. You need to see what my plans and purposes are for my church. And instead of your self-contentedness, you, 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 you need to be reaching out to me for what it is you need. But the one sort of positive thing that God says is those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So he's saying, you know, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, but I haven't given up on you yet. If you now choose to repent, there is still hope for you. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Now, let's be clear, this has got absolutely nothing to do with evangelism. This is not God knocking on the person's heart saying, let me come into your life. Evangelists use it for that, I know. And if it, if it helps some people come to Christ, well, glory be. But this is not what God is talking about. He's talking about knocking on the door of his church. He's knocking on the door of this church at Laodicea. He says, here I am. I stand at the door. What door? The door of the church of Laodicea. He says, and I'm knocking on your door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. In other words, and, and he with me. In other words, he's saying, 
I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, but it's not too late. If you repent now because I'm coming to you and confronting you with your need to do so, then I will come into the life of the church again, and we can have fellowship again, and you can live in me and I will live in you, just like Jesus promised if you obey my commandments. So it's, it's almost like this is, this is your last opportunity. This is your last chance. Um, uh, that uh, th there isn't anything to really encourage you about. I just see the poverty of what you really have become as a church. However, if you repent, there is still hope, and I will come to you. It just shows as well that even a church like Laodicea that had become so lukewarm, God was offering to restore and revive if they repented. Absolutely. I mean, God God doesn't really give up on anyone, does he? But when he uses this kind of language, then um, it, it's serious. Because remember, he is the one who can come and remove your candlestick, as he says right at the beginning of, uh, of this book of Revelation. Um, God is the one who raises up but also pulls down. He raises up the humble, he pulls down the proud. He opposes the proud. So he's really saying to the church in Laodicea, you become proud, sort of self-congratulatory, you're no longer really concerned about me and being the people I want you to be, so I'm about to pull you down unless you repent and get back to really being the body that I've called you to be. Now, does God do that kind of thing today? Absolutely. All over the world. How many churches have you heard of that once were alive, full, and you look at them now? I mean, the church buildings were full on, on Sundays, and there's a handful of people. How many Welsh chapels are there, closed up, empty, sold on, and used for other purposes, whereas in the revival, they were not just full of people, but full of ardent people, zealous people, people who were hungry for more and more of God. What has happened? That's God's judgment, that if we do not maintain our relationship with him, we die as churches. Sometimes it's a slow, lingering death. Sometimes if there's uncorrected sin in a church, a church can collapse very quickly. Sometimes if rebels want to try to take over a church, they can destroy the church in months, which has taken years to build up. But all that really is in a sense God's judgment because the church has not pursued his ways. God is jealous for his people, so he wants his church to thrive and prosper. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 